Well, we're here, boys. We're live. We are on the hello, air hello. once again. Where are my shoes? Uh, <laughs> uh, who have we got here? We've got a uh, big Jaime Vithen. We got big Jaime Vithen, big Jaime Energy. And we got big Nathan Brown coming through. What's up, man? How you doing? I am doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good. Good. I'm yeah. doing pretty good. It's a little late tonight. It is. I no. think this is the latest podcast recording we've ever done. Is it? Well, I mean, I think the second place, as far as latest, goes to Nathan as well for the last <laughs> oh, yeah? I remember we were pretty late. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm a night owl. <laughs> yeah. Remember we had to start over? Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. Shit. Uh, now I, like, rem- okay. Okay. I remember now. That's funny, Good man. Good stuff. So, what's up, Nathan? How have you been, man? How's life been treating you? I've been pretty good. I've been pretty good. I'm on vacation currently. Okay. Like just Where, uh, just probably home right now. I don't know if you are you going anywhere. I'm actually in San Luis Obispo. Wow. Oh, okay. Chilling at the Madonna Inn. We coming uh, to we... you live from the bathroom. Actually, <laughs> it's the quietest place. There's no desk. Yeah, there's no desk here, and yeah. so I'm on the Oh, that's wow. I'm like this is this is the beauty of this podcast right now is being we're all at our own homes at our own devices and this is what we have to do in order to make yeah, me and Jaime entertained. Are, me and Jaime are both tucked into a corner of our room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Oh man, I love it. I love it. Did you guys hear uh, that the White House um, they recently like fired five people for having past cannabis use? Yeah, I heard that. Past? Yeah, not like currently smoking, not like they have a problem with it. What's the like they admitted that they smoked in the past. That's it. Like probably when they were like seventeen. They'd ever use marijuana and they're like, Well, you gotta go. You're kidding. They were asked to resign first, in all I guess in all fairness. Oh man. Well I mean that's kinda fucked up, honestly. What the hell? Why? Yeah. Who? Um, they released a statement saying that they, something about like them having the highest quality workers oh at the White House. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I guess that means that those five people had so to go. So what happens to them then? No more job. Mm. <laughs> They're in the unemployment line. Yeah. I mean, like, I think we just lost Anthony, but, oh, there you are, buddy. Yeah, don't know what happened. There. No worries. Uh, but like, what happens to these these people? Like, um, they no longer work at the White House. Like, okay, I mean, okay, shit, <laughs> that's, that's that sucks. It. Yeah, that's, that's a wrap. Damn, it's a wrap. Like, just because you smoked yep, weed, no, probably like. Funny 20... enough, Kamala Harris, the vice yeah, president, that's what I... has admitted to using cannabis in the past. That's what um, I heard too. She was not fired because, of course. <laughs> yeah, want... you know. <laughs> I'm not feeling the same energy as when the election was going on, and that's, that's troubling. And I don't want to make this political at all because right. like, I know, but talk about some other shit. No, but. I, no, I know. I just want to say about that. Um, it seems silly, but I guess it's the time. This is like cancel culture time, and I guess like stuff like that ain't gonna roll in the White House, to according to some <laughs> people. Um. 
I don't think it's you that important. Get impo- all these fucking reefer madness folk. Right. I, mean, I don't think it's that important. Potheads. Can you imagine though? Like you're just a kid, or you know, you're seventeen, eighteen, maybe twenty, and you're smoking weed, and and then later down the line, you're like, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm gonna run for uh, for Congress or Senator, this and that. And then you know, you're in the White House, and and then someone finds out, hey, you smoked weed about twenty years ago, didn't you? Yeah, you're out of here. You're fired. We're not going to put up with that. <laughs> Me? I'm a good Christian soul. I've never smoked weed or touched <laughs> in my life. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah, just uh, trying to bring some news to the show. I get you. Um, I found it's, that one especially troubling, so yeah. I'm going to bring it up. It's kind of hypocritical, but... Um, but let's switch up the vibes, and by switch up the vibes, I mean start the show. Cue the intro music. Welcome one, welcome all to another installment of the 1st and the 15th. My name is Anthony Barrera, I am your host. Coming in from a remote, undisclosed location is my close confidant and co-host, Mr. Jaime Virgen. What's up? It's a pretty late night here for us at uh, on this podcast. I'm sure it's a different time for you. Um, let's get the show started. I'm really excited to talk with Nathan, so... Oh, yeah. Episode 46 today on the road to episode 50. We are joined today by a big guest. I'm talking about Nathan Brown, filmmaker extraordinaire. What are you doing, man? How are you up? Hello. Hello. I'm I'm doing well. Thank you, guys. Hell, yeah. So I want to jump right into it, man. You just put out or are about to put out a short film. Um, Are we allowed to say the title of it yet? Uh, Yeah. Go ahead. I'm talking about the bad boy of cryptozoology. Let's talk about it, man. How did this concept... Saturday. 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 So So one day after this show comes out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love it, man. So let's talk about the concept. How did you come up with this? Okay, so... uh, So this film was made for the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge once again. So what that is, if you're not aware is um, it's a film contest where the contestants have about five days to make a short film involving someone in front of the camera or behind the camera with a disability. Um, And normally what they do is the week of, they give us the, they they drop the genre on us. They say, okay, everyone, you're gonna be doing a comedy or you're gonna be doing a sci-fi film but this year, they felt a little bad for us because, you know, we've been in a pandemic for a year. So they're like, eh, we'll release the genre just a little earlier for you guys to give you a little head start. So okay. back in the end of January, they told us, okay, everyone, you're going to be doing a mockumentary this year. So... There we go. At first, That's, yeah, we were at first just was, talking uh, about this before we started recording uh and anthony was asking me about your your film and i was saying like well what's interesting about it it's very similar to the his other film which is kind of like this documentary style of filmmaking and not like a traditional type of narrative where you're following like this character it all feels like we're in like all these characters could live in the same world together that's what it feels like to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh yeah so it was 
something that was similar to my last film, but uh, last year, year before it was supposed to be a documentary, but I decided to have a little bit more fun with it and kind of make it like a little bit of a, you know, like a creative documentary, I guess. But this one, it was supposed to be, yeah, a mockumentary, so a fake documentary that's like a comedy. Yeah. So. And uh, how did you land on cryptozoology? Uh, so I had been, you know, somewhat aware of cryptozoology for, you know, I don't know, several years, I guess, you know, slightly interested in it. But then about two years ago, at the end of 2019, there was a computer game that came out named Disco Elysium. Have you guys heard of that one? No, I can't say I have. Yeah, it's, a, it's it was a very small release, not very popular game. But anyway, uh, that game came out a couple of years ago, uh, at the end of 2019, and it's like a sh- short, like dialogue-based RPG game. And anyway, one of the first characters you meet in that game is a paraplegic woman, hmm. and that kind of caught my attention because you know you don't really see a lot of paraplegics in video games. Um, thinking I could probably only think of like one other one, maybe in, like Metal of, like, Gear, Professor X. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you meet this paraplegic woman, and you start talking to her, and she's like, "Oh, my husband is missing, and he's a, he's a cryptozoologist." So, uh, and over the course of the game, you kind of like meet this dude as a cryptozoologist, and you kind of help him out a little bit. Isn't it? He's not like the main focus of the game or anything, right, but like a he's character. a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of like caught my attention I, you know I kind of merged these two characters the paraplegic woman and her husband who is a cryptozoologist I kind of like caught my attention and I decided to like bring them together can like, I say oh, this that... um, yeah the tattoos that your character had I thought they were fucking awesome <laughs> um, <laughs> how did you do that because it looked like it was on you yeah they they're actually um temporary tattoos that I got from, you know, Amazon for like 20 bucks. Wow. They were, they were pretty, they were pretty good. They were pretty you know neat. what? I thought they were, they were your real tattoos. I was like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I definitely don't yeah, have no. real tattoos. Crazy. But they did the job. It took like a couple of hours to apply the. Mm. Yeah, they looked well, that. they looked like they were put on well though. Like, uh, mm. it really added to the character. I think it made him like that much more of a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that brings me back. So when I was thinking about doing the movie, like, uh, you know, if you think about cryptozoology and for the people, no one, people who aren't aware of what cryptozoology is, if you haven't watched the film yet, it's the study of animals that don't actually exist, such as like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster. And cryptozoology is the people who sort of look for these creatures or believe they exist or try to find evidence that they exist. So when you think about cryptozoology, you kind of think of like a nerdy or dorky person, right? It's not like someone who's like very hip, I guess. Like a National Geographic person. So when I was thinking about doing the film, like, you know, that's when I started. Or like eh, maybe the main character would be, you know, this kind of a dork. But we had like a month to ruminate about it. So like, okay, that's kind of a, a boring choice. So what I'm going to do instead, he's not going to be a dork. He's going to be the bad boy. A fucking badass. Yeah. So I decided to go that route instead. And, you know, 
he still came out pretty dorky, but he he's kind of cool about it too. <laughs> <laughs> For real. So how was it like using comedic elements? Like you already had a taste of it, um, taking creative liberties in the last project that you had. How was it like writing the script knowing that you were aiming to make people laugh? Uh, yeah, so normally, like, straight comedy isn't really something that I normally, like, attempt to write, because, I don't know. You, you know, it's hard, it's it's hard to write, like, jokes, I guess. I mean, Anthony, you're probably familiar with the concept, but for everyone yeah. else, it's, it's harder. <laughs> it's harder even when, like, you know a little bit about it, um, just because not everyone has the same type of humor. Yeah. Um, so when you make a creative choice like that, it's it's got you had to really commit to it, and I think you did. I think like having the badass be a part of the character really contributed to it because you've already. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say go too. I think what makes it funny is not that like he's trying to be funny, is but that he takes it so seriously, is what makes yeah. the movie funny. You know what I'm saying? Like this mm-hmm. guy is like really believes the things he's looking for exist, and he has. You know he's gonna find proof, but it's the interviewer, the you know the the audience, I suppose, is like, while we know like this isn't real, this isn't, uh, you're you know it's not that serious, buddy. You know, but I think that's what makes it funny, in, in my opinion. I have an example um, in the movie Super Bad, where Jonah Hill is telling Michael Sarah about his problem in the elementary school with drawing. Uh, caricatures of dicks Uh all of the humor comes from the fact that jonah hill is so serious about the situation that is so outrageous exactly and he's explaining the way he's explaining it is so serious that's where all the humor comes Mm -hmm. from and i think you had Mm -hmm. that a similar element obviously not with like drawing dicks or anything but um a similar serious element to it that Mm -hmm. makes it funny Mm -hmm. yeah i try to make it a little more like dry dry humor because I didn't want to be like too wacky about it because then it just seems completely silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everyone's and, doing wacky these days. Everyone's like yeah. going outrageous and flamboyant, and it's kind of cool to see some like kind of restrained, subtle, funny, you know? Yeah. Um, are there any, were there any unforeseen challenges that, um, that you came across while making this? Uh, you know, well, once again, this is uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic again, so this film challenge was supposed to be entirely shot within our homes or in our property lines. So the ch- most challenging aspect was, you know, the beginning aspect, which is like deciding where you're going to film and deciding how I'm going to make that look interesting. Like, how am I going to catch people's eyes by just filming the inside of my house? which was also the set of the last movie that I filmed. So how am I going to make mm-hmm. that like, distinguished like different. from the last film? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That does seem like a challenge using the same space as uh, the yeah. last project. But I think you came up uh, with, a, with a better result because of it, because you were already familiar with the rooms and the area that you were in. Yeah, I definitely had a lot of you know time to think okay this is how i can frame this spot in the house this is how i can frame this spot in the house and, yeah and i have to actually say about one shot in particular um i think it was one of the main first shots was like this kind of a wide shot and what looked like a living room but the result is smoke 
coming up from yeah, the ground. Yeah, I had a fog machine. Yeah, that and scene. like this That's green light. That's what I thought, dude. And it was the green I light. It was either a fog machine or someone's going fucking crazy <laughs> on a vape. Right. No, it looked really Jumping cool. Jumping the head vaping in the, vaping in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... No, it was definitely... It was a fog machine. So I used that because, like, I looked at the room and I was like, this looks way too much like a room. So how yeah. can I spruce this up? Yeah. And make it kind of like a, kind of like a spooky interesting cryptozoologist like that was definitely the vibe yeah Yeah, it really tied everything together just having ample smoke there yeah um what are your thoughts on the final products now that like it's completed and like you're done with it and you like you know you've washed your hands of it what are your thoughts on uh on what you've created here okay so i think like i think it turned out pretty well actually i'm happy with the result i'm definitely relieved of the stretches of filming it all within five days and now that I've kind of like been able to relax a bit I think well okay you did not such a good job <laughs> and I'm excited to see everyone's reactions to the movies because you guys are actually the first two people that have seen the movie at all so I don't have anyone's funny. reaction <laughs> to the film yet besides well listen own. man you got something here I mean, thank you, thank you. It, it's you know I, I don't want to be like come off as a snob or anything, but I actually like laughed out loud when I saw it, uh-huh. you know, and like yeah, that's, that's great. Sometimes I'll chuckle, give it a little hee haw, uh-huh. but uh, this one actually, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, same for me. I was actually very surprised in myself. Like you know, with anybody, I think we all struggle with watching short films because they're not mm-hmm. as high quality as all these feature films we're used to, especially in the superhero age. And so, um, watching this was, I was telling Anthony, I think, you know, it's a little refreshing to see a different type of movie. I thought it was original. Uh, I don't know what cryptozoology is and I'm hoping to <laughs> learn more about that. And like, uh, the production value of the film was good. And these pictures of these, um, made-up creatures that you display oh, yeah. and uh like what they're like my, my girlfriend did though those are great really good well yeah, good the for illustrations are really, really good, good. Yeah. and i was thinking just now uh after anthony's accolade is that you should continue making maybe maybe another one even if it's not for a contest like i think that character would be interesting yeah. to see in the future like come back i don't know like if you're be if, if you'd be willing to do something like that but I think you have something here. I'd, I'd definitely be open to exploring the creature more. I mean, sorry, the character uh, more in a, in a more full-length film because yeah, I get you. I definitely had to, like, cut stuff out of this one. <laughs> Just time constraints. Yeah, because it, it could only be five minutes, and I pretty much cut five minutes exactly on the dot. That's always the toughest part, like, because it's your baby, and, like, you're at five minutes and 40 seconds, and you're like, oh, like, what do I get rid of? Yep. So I, I had to cut, like, a whole scene, pretty much. Ugh, that, yeah. like... It'd be like that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so let's keep it moving, though. So we, we talked about short films. Um, I want to talk about features now. Um, as a filmmaker, what are some things that you think that you feel like you need to have already in place in order to feel comfortable launching into shooting a feature? Um, shooting a th- feature is definitely like a big step because 
I think the first step to getting involved in like shooting a feature film, you have to get like have thorough planning because it's going to be a long process. So to lay that foundation, you're going to need well thought up planning of exactly what you're going to shoot, you know, who you need to shoot it, where you're going to shoot it. So the first step to shooting a feature film, you know, you to get to dive deep into it, you need to write out a thorough map of where you're going to start. And that in itself is going to take a long time. Yeah, uh, I definitely think you need to have, like, a really strong script. Mm-hmm. One that, like, has been proofread and, like, it's not a first version, it's, like, a fifth version of what you were writing. Um, because ultimately, that's what you're going to use to fish for actors. You're going to have to hand them a script and they're going to have to believe in it enough to want to work on it for that long. Because uh, a feature, you know, that's a tall order to ask of any actor. Um, especially when you're you're first starting out with features. It definitely is. I mean, it's a just a big and big investment for everyone involved in the project. Actors, directors, you know, people who work behind the scenes, filmographers, sound people, editors. For real, uh, scheduling is also a giant a giant hurdle, um, especially like with the more people that you have. I feel like just because there's just so much more schedules to juggle. Mm-hmm. and like try to keep up with and they're constantly changing because people's lives change all the time yeah, and that's definitely like the biggest hurdle and you know getting that's why you know the most feature length films are made by you know big studios as opposed to you know short films mm-hmm. where there's a lot of independent artists that can make a film whereas you make a feature length film you have to have a lot of money behind it and that's not something that's easy to get yeah okay you know now we're speaking about like feature films and i'm thinking about all the things we're talking about right here um i've been listening to a lot of podcasts concerning directors and what comes of it and we're like i mean if you're listening to this you understand i think we are just trying to get our career started as filmmakers so you know we have a few short films under our belt maybe like one feature film that was okay you know um, oh, I didn't know. I wasn't even aware that you guys had done a feature film. I that's great. Well, Anthony and I kind of I I consider it a feature film just because it's over an hour. It's an hour and seventeen minutes. Oh, wow. It's a movie we made in high school mm-hmm. that we were you know we made during the summer. Um, but that was like literally just. I think let me see like Anthony. I think it was like three, four maybe five actors maybe only two or three at a time myself and like a couple friends maybe but it was like really small but what we're talking about i guess right now is like features you know with like crews of 20 people 40 people um that yeah i mean going from back then we had so many things that we didn't know that we didn't know uh uh-huh that like I feel like if we did know those things back then, we probably wouldn't have even attempted to go. Yeah, honestly, like, back then, it was, like, no fear, no money. We just wanted to, (laughs) like, literally, like, shot it in my 
Uh, no sound, no light. Right, just, just the camera. Literally one, just vibes. one camera with one lens. <laughs> and um, uh, my back, like backyard area, like tool shed, whatever we had. Like we had to borrow a, a few guns, like fake guns. You know, a baseball <laughs> bat. You know, we had to make our own fake blood, stuff like that. Um, but. Okay, I want to like, because Nathan, I mean, you've only you've only shot short films, right? Yes, I've only done three short films so far. So I think even too when you talk about like studios and independent studios and making feature films and what I've seen accomplished throughout the history of films, you have movies like uh, the Blair Witch Project and Saw Mm. and uh, or the Babadook. Right. These are like very low budget movies and they're made that way because of the constraints that they have you know uh like saw for example james wan wanted to make a movie for very little money and he wanted to make it in one space with two people and i think he made a short film i'm not sure but that would be essentially the bathroom where the two characters are in and you have the jigsaw character and then you know and then it turned into a little bit bigger you've put in a little more story and more characters so um or even like whiplash if you've seen whiplash damien giselle yeah his first movie the scene where um fletcher the the teacher where he's telling um not my tempo right not my tempo that thing (laughs) that that whole scene is a short film you can watch it on youtube right now with the same actors except for the drummer um and that scene it essentially turned into a feature you know and you could do su- that stuff happens all the time as well so even like with this bad boy of cryptozoology you could essentially maybe one day like clicks in your mind like hey maybe there's potential for a feature length film here like maybe there's mm-hmm. there is more to be said about this person and why he's interested in cryptozoology and maybe he's using it to run away from something or who knows what like mm-hmm. you know yeah. I don't know we're all we're talking about this kind of stuff I just like ramble <laughs> yeah no, I was uh, I was just looking up like some of the lowest budget movies mm-hmm. um so Eraserhead was made with $10,000 that's nothing like literally for yeah, movies, um, it's nothing. I know it sounds like a lot of money for us, some of us, but what's that one movie? Nothing. Des- movie talk. Desperado. Yeah, how much was Desperado? I think that's about ten thousand too Damn. as well. Because like literally, I think even like a million dollars would be considered a low, like a, not a lot of money for a movie. Yeah, Moonlight, which won an Oscar, was made with four million dollars. <sighs> Dude. That's like a very toned down film that does uh-huh. very little like yeah. set pieces so, and stuff in that film. So yeah, going back I guess the features too is like you could essentially just write a movie with like minimal characters, minimal story, maybe in one or two places, and it, you could make a feature, essentially. You know, any if you have a camera, if you have the means, I'm sure you could do it. You know, it it depends. I guess you have to sacrifice quality or something. It depends what the film is. You know, it could have like a lot of horror and be grounded and this and that. And I don't know. 
Yeah, I'm a huge believer in do it yourself. I think it was uh, I can't remember his name. He was on. He was uh, one of the members of the league that show on FX. Okay. He was uh, South by Southwest, where he's talking about making a movie for indie. Damn, uh, the indie scene. About. Yeah. He was like, I literally the, like the Plus Brothers. Ate, I yeah, the Plus Brothers. I he's like basically to the tone of like I literally ate shit for a year, saved ten grand, and then made my first movie with that, and things just went from there. Yeah. So, like you know, uh, with with this disability film challenge, um, uh, a lot of the sponsors that get behind it and judges, they're from big companies, right? There's uh, someone from CBS, there's HBO, um, uh, nothing else comes to mind right now, but there's some <laughs> big, big kind some of big players. Know, Mm-hmm. big players that are going to be viewing these movies so you know if they like what they see they that's, can give you funding behind fucking exciting, developing and more yeah so who knows maybe one day you will see more of the bad boy of cryptozoology let's hope <laughs> for real hell yeah I love it um where are we at we're running up on 28 minutes here do we want to go into segment 3 actually well you know um let me ask like a couple questions for Nathan. I did have I was curious. Yeah, go for it. Um, Nathan, okay. so who are some directors you like look up to or like draw inspiration from? Um, th- there's definitely a lot of directors that I like, and I wouldn't say like, oh, I have like these are my favorite directors mm-hmm. or anything because there's so many talented directors yeah. but I'm really drawn to any director that has like a s- s- distinguished style like you look at like maybe like two frames of his film and you can say oh that's definitely this guy mm-hmm. so you know the two people that come to mind right off the head is Wes Anderson who has a very distinguished style mm-hmm. oh yeah um, Definitely a lot of great movies. Fantastic Mr. Fox, you know, Grand Budapest Hotel. Right. Moonlight, uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Moonrise Kingdom, yeah. I'm sorry. Good movie. Yeah. And then David Fincher. Mm. Of course, love yeah. him. Ooh. Top five. So you know say two... David Fincher has never done handheld work. Is that true? Okay. Uh, that's oh, do you, have, do you have an exception? You're right. You're totally right on that, Anthony. Good eye. Um, but in the movie The Social Network, he only uses one handheld shot in the entire movie. And that's the really? scene where um Justin Timberlake is at the party at the end of the movie with the with the girls and the, the college party and they're doing Coke. Yeah. And when the cops come into the party when the music is turned down, you know, Justin turns to the door and he like walks towards the door and out the door to see the cops coming up the stairs and that's the only uh the camera follows him and it's one handheld shot but you're you're totally right like david fincher is such like a uh what's a precise director in the way that he Mm -hmm. coordinates the camera and the blocking and direction and this and that so you're right yeah exactly say again nathan Wes Anderson would probably be the exact same yeah. way because, you know, every one of yeah. his shots, you know, like very symmetrical. Mm-hmm. Super symmetrical. Yeah, I'm sure everything is planned for both those guys. You know, mm-hmm. they know what they're going to do going in day one. I can only imagine what, like, the tech script looks like, the production script. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm sure there's lots of things in there. 
for everyone. 500 pages uh-huh. for like five lines of text. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so those two guys, you kind of like pay attention to their stuff. I mean, I mean, cause like for myself, I don't know how it is for Anthony or for other filmmakers, but I'm always curious. And the reason I'm asking you this, I'm hoping to, I hope we can ask more guests in the future. Um, but I was just interested because, you know, there's, there's filmmakers I pay attention to and that I like to draw from and, the reason my films look the way they do is because I liked how they did it. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're watching, well, when you're directing, like when you're framing your shots or doing certain things, I mean, are you thinking about certain movies from these directors? Like, does, do you, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm drawing anything in specific, Uh you know, I'm kind of just like a culmination of everything that I've ever learned. Uh And you know, I spring it into my own identity. Mm. So I wouldn't say like, oh, I've seen this scene from a Wes Anderson film, and like you know, right? Want to like? It's not exactly a conscious effort. Uh-huh. Okay. But it's so like I mean when you okay. So I'm sorry. I'm I'm not really want to get in your head here about how like you set up the camera and why mm. you you put it where it is, and do you think about. Um, still shots okay, uh, as compared to you know tra- tracking shots or following shots or wide or zooms push-ins do you think about this kind of stuff when you're making these like short films I know you've only made a few but you know the ones that we've seen <laughs> yeah I definitely do take into some considerations like okay what what emotion do I want to evoke from this scene and like how am I going to evoke that emotion with the camera like starting from the camera mm. So for this film being a, you know, a mockumentary, I wanted to kind of capture the documentary authentic feel. So normally when you set up a shot, you know, a lot of times, you know, basic filmmaking, you follow the rule of thirds, right? Right. The one yeah. mm-hmm. you want to start in like one third, you want to set up your subject in one third of the frame. But what I noticed is in a lot of documentaries, uh, this the subject is more centered in the frame of documentaries. I don't I don't know why, but it's something that I've noticed. It just makes it seem more less staged, I guess. Yeah, I you. So for the bad boy of cryptozoology, you might notice that a lot of the shots are more centered than what you'd normally expect in like a regular film. Right. So it doesn't really follow the rule of thirds. Mm-hmm. Except for maybe a couple of scenes, I think. You know what is something I really appreciate um, for those centered shots? Um, Like, throughout whatever the subject is saying, there's a cutaway to a profile shot of them, like, right as, like, throughout their conversation. I always thought that was kind of a nice touch to add, um, especially when someone has a lot of stuff to say and you don't want to keep it on the same still frame throughout. Yeah. I, I definitely thought about using that technique but I, di- I just figured it wasn't there's only like really one scene where I'm talking for an extended amount of time and that would be so I just didn't implement it um, I yeah get, no that's yeah yeah sorry um, just I guess one like one last question before we go on to the mm-hmm. next segment um, do you have anything in mind for your next project um not specifically right now. The, the fun thing about these 
contests and deadlines is that they definitely give you motivation to like draw out any idea that you've had and like put it in the fast track of getting it produced. Like if it wasn't for these contests, like I probably would have never, like I thought, you know, thought about making films and stuff. And there's definitely films that I want to make, but there's nothing really super motivating me to get that film done. And what these contests do is like, okay, that's definitely like a little carrot hanging out in front of me. You better get this film done now. So but right now there is definitely ideas that I have ruminating in my head, but specifically anything in the near future pipeline wise. I remember uh, there was this contest. I think Jaime told me about it or I learned about it in like theater club or something. Um, where you get 24 hours instead of five days. You get 24 mm-hmm. hours where you have to just stay up, like, write it. It's got to be a minute long. And <laughs> God. You know what? It it was us. I think it was me because I think we made one. Right, with the GoPro? I think so. It was like a scratcher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that was like a minute. It was literally – the film had to be one minute long, and that was frustrating because <laughs> – you had to like cut it, you know, a certain ah uh, yeah. But it was pretty yeah. That's yeah. I get what you mean though about. I mean, for myself, there's all. I mean, there's always projects I want to make that I have in the back of my head or in notebooks. Mm-hmm. But I think when you have like incentive, when a a contest comes up, you have more motivation and your your brain's more focused on okay, this is what they want from me and I'm going to just focus on writing this thing because I think what happens a lot is if you have no like just free time and you're creating a project there's no deadline so you're just creating and creating creating Mm -hmm. and putting more things and it's not limited so you know you get in the you just get in this weird mindset so I think yeah it is important to have those deadlines that way you're like okay I'm, I'm gonna get this done today right now here this is gonna be it boom but um I mean work I'm excited to see what you have in the future Nathan I mean because like what we've seen so far from my, the two films that I've seen mm-hmm. I mean you have your own voice I can definitely see that and I think I've definitely made improvements. Yes. I think there's definitely a, a big yeah, improvement. From, definitely. I'm not saying, I mean, yeah. I mean, we're all amateurs, right? We're all trying to make a, yeah. a better film each time. And I think mm-hmm. with, well, how, how many, what number, f- what number film is this for you? This is my third. Oh, okay. Film. To your third. To, for me, it's my, mm-hmm. for me, it's the second of yours. Cause I've only seen the two, but yeah. so far, there is a vast improvement from that first one I saw to this one and especially because mm-hmm. they're in the same style but I mean this one had a lot a good like I said production value with the smoke and the uh, mm-hmm. world building of the cryptozoology so um, yeah man I'm excited to see what you have to do and what stories you have to tell and I'm glad you are like I guess creating these films on this platform for I guess disabled people you know make sure that they have their voice which is very important because Mm -hmm. you know we don't see enough of that in films like I think we talked about it in the in the previous podcast we had with you 
yeah. with you know representation and this and that. Uh, there's some crazy statistic uh, that I don't have that off the top of my head, but it's something like uh, I don't know. You know, there's like okay, there's 20 percent of the U.S. population consider themselves disabled, right? Mm-hmm. But only maybe like one percent of characters in films or TV show are disabled and maybe another like uh, uh, I don't have the exact figure off my head but of that 1% of disabled characters I think maybe like 20% are actually portrayed by disabled people people. Mm. so you know it's very rare that you see an actual disabled person on your screen yeah honestly it was kind of tough seeing like james mcavoy and um, yeah yeah who was the other one that played professor x um he was older oh um patrick patrick, patrick stewart. stewart yeah patrick stewart yeah i can understand totally how like um someone disabled would get fuck i i would get fucking heated like hey you know they're they're um you know casting for that x-men right, right now i presume so hopefully they they get it right this time and professor x is actually someone on wheels yeah interesting huh for all but let's keep it moving man let's switch it up we're gonna head into a segment that we run on every installment of the first and the 15th i'm talking about shitheads and do-gooders what we do is we take one person from the news media or your personal life that has committed some evil and we choose to shine a light on them then to lighten the mood, we highlight the good that someone else has done. Hi, Mo, would you like to go first? Uh, yes. This one's not going to be as serious. Kind of like, you know, whatever. Um, whoever is ordering their steaks, well done. <laughs> Please stop. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish with getting your steaks well done. If you're trying to prove to everyone that you're tougher just trying to have a ruined steak. Um, like, somewhere. basically, just go to the taco truck is down the street. Ask them for <laughs> carne asada. You'll get the exact same thing. Uh, that's about it, I think. It's just like, I don't get it. You know, especially with, like, good quality steak. What are you, like, filet mignons, for example. Why are you getting it well done? What's the point? I want that shit well done. I want it charred. I don't get black. it. I don't get why. You know, growing up, uh, you know, I was a kid, so I didn't really know no. what was going on. So I'd ask my mom, "Hey, mom, what what does it mean when it's well done or whatever? Uh-huh. Like, what should I order?" Uh-huh. She'd always say, "Oh, order well done because it's it's safer. It's you, know, you don't safer. want to eat any blood." Yeah. So I went my whole like you know first eighteen no, years of Nathan. my life ordering oh, well done wow. steaks. No, Nathan. That, <laughs> but I've seen the medium rare sat the light of medium rare, and that's what I ordered. Okay, now. medium rare. Oh, thank God. Yeah, you got eighteen years worth of bad eating habits Damn, to make up. That yeah. sucks. I'm sorry, man. But that's <laughs> that's. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't blame. Not you, but the person who's listening. If you're getting your steaks well done, I don't blame you. I blame the person who taught you. Just stop doing it, though, okay? Go for a medium rare, medium, if anything, uh, medium well, you know? But the places you don't want to go are well done or rare, unless, like, you're fucking hardcore <laughs> blood American, you know what I'm saying? But anyways, <laughs> that's my shithead. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say my shithead is going to be me this episode. Um, I got called out what? last episode. Um, 
Taylor Wilson. Uh, shout out Taylor, if you're listening. Um, my do-gooder was Netflix for uh-huh, quote unquote not. creating Demon Slayer. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I was gonna call you after this too. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I watched that episode. <laughs> so my our good friend and friend of the show, Jacob Juarez, hit me up the day the episode drops, and he's like, "I'm doing a poser check, homie." Demon Slayer was on Crunchyroll and Hulu way before it was on Netflix. Damn. So I was like, damn. He got me, dude. He caught me red-handed. He caught me red-handed. Holy damn. I can't believe that. Did you you know that Demon Slayer was actually... They they released a film of it a couple months ago, four months ago or so, and it was actually the biggest movie in Japan last year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they They also had a premiere of it at Century here in Salinas. Both Uh, nights it was up, it sold out. Wow, I didn't know it was out in America already. Uh, it was out in theaters for two days. They, they essentially they they do the anime releases as well because they know it draws money. So mm-hmm. they had like uh, the Broly uh, movie from Dragon Ball Z. They yeah. had that, and both nights that shit sold out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, shithead, I'm the shithead this episode. Uh, how about you, Nathan? Who you got, man? My shithead for this week. Um, so for the past couple of days, I've been exploring nature it's a great time to explore nature but my shithead for this week is people who litter Mm -hmm. in nature i don't know why you decide to go to a beautiful place and like oh i can just let all my trash go here nobody (laughs) cares like i found twinkies trash bags it just just, is horrible yeah it comes i think it's multiple things laziness uh, the fact that I think there's not maybe a lot of people out there, so you have very little witnesses. Mm-hmm. But who knows? I don't know where, like, you know, you are. Yeah. I don't know. I used to be really bad about it when I was I younger. I get you. I had, a, I, had a, I had a saying that I used to do every time I littered when I was a child. Oh, no. Just imagine little 14-year-old Anthony, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. getting rid of some contraband uh you know, some some candy wrappers. Uh-huh. I would say the world is my trash can. Oh no! And <laughs> you you're part and of the problem. <laughs> it was, dude. I, I I've repented since you're, then. You're being double called out today. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, and I recycle responsibly. Uh, don't come at me, yo. Yeah. No. <laughs> if anything, if I'm one of those people I think I'm not littering if anything I'm putting like the trash in my pocket and then when I get home later I just find it like oh what the hell and then I just throw it in my trash but damn yeah that sucks because I mean um, that's like a big problem here in Salinas too you know I had a friend when uh, he littered and I gave him shit for it you know what he would tell me you know what's the worst thing you can do to a piece of land pour concrete on it ah <laughs> the biggest trash. Of the I world. mean, <laughs> I, I I had nothing for him. I like I shut I up. Like, <laughs> yeah, it sucks. But yeah, uh, let's let's switch up the vibe. Let's 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 go into some do gooders, uh, mm-hmm. some peaceful good shit. Uh, Jaime, would you like to go first? Yes. Um, my do gooder is the showrunner, the creator and head writer of um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mark Spellman. I watched the first episode when it debuted. I thought it was fantastic. I cried a few times. I teared up just because of 
the fact that you know we've been following following these characters for so long through multiple movies where they are now the themes they're bringing up in this first episode and I want to see how they play out as the series continues um, I'm not trying to spoil anything but I I don't know I just really like what they're doing with this with the show with this first episode with the show and the deep emotional uh, problems that Bucky is dealing with post endgame deep emotional oh my god trauma. yeah like I mean imagine just being alive for basically a 100 plus years and for most of those years you were a trained brainwashed killer and now you've I guess come out of that smoke and you're trying to be a better person but that your past still haunts you and you're trying to be normal and live in this normal life and yeah it's very interesting to see like the psychology of the superheroes and not just the punchy go fighting stuff and also Falcon's um, Sam Wilson's character and having to deal with like legacy and and mantles and what it means to be a superhero and having to be a normal person at the same time you know trying to keep your family's business afloat this and that so, um, like, do do gooder is Mark Spellman for I think he's they're heading in a good direction for you know these Marvel series, and I'm excited to see what they have to do in the future. Dope, hell yeah! Uh, I'm gonna say my do gooder uh, are the writers for the show Attack on Titan mm. <laughs> for three seasons, three and a half seasons. We we followed the main character and we loved the main character. And we were with the main character. How would you feel, Jaime, if you went three seasons of a show rooting for a main character to succeed, only to have the fourth season come and the writers successfully make you hate that character? Oh, shit. Damn. For the evil deeds that they have committed. Oh, man. That would be brutal, I think. Like, I'm trying to think of a character that's not in Attack on Titan that maybe, like, I really loved. Like, let's say, for example, Batman. Let's see, like, you love Batman because he doesn't kill anybody, right? And then all of a sudden in, like, the third or fourth movie, he kills someone. And you're like, whoa, that's not... Whoa. Like, But it's, like, justified and this and that. But, like, so if a character it just all of a sudden, like, did something that I was not up for, I would be like, what? I dude, I, I feel they, wrong. They made homie like a terrorist. Yeah, they I made him wrong. a terrorist. Oh damn! And like the show's wrapping up. Next week is the final episode, right? On the, the like this last week, they released two episodes, and in the second episode, he went up to the people. His writer dies. Two people, like the people that are with him, that would die for him. Basically, says he's always hated one of them, and proceeds to fuck up the other one physically. Like starts like punching and beating the you, shit you out. You know of what him. this reminds me of now? It's a better example. Is Dutch from Red Dead Redemption? Yeah. <laughs> this is what this reminds me of because you know Dutch is a character in the beginning of Red Dead Redemption Two. He's like the father figure guy who's in tar- charge of this camp, leading this group, and then by the end of it totally different guy and you're like who the fuck is this guy <laughs> where what happened to him you know what i mean like i can to- okay i can totally see yeah. that but damn good for them is it like a, a group of writers 
one writer? I believe so, yeah. I'm sure it's a group. It's a group okay. of writers. It's always a group of yeah, writers, even I'm if sure, they're not credited. I'm sure, to like balance it out. <laughs> uh, good for them, though. So, you, so you're pretty much saying they seceded where Game of Thrones failed. They are doing a very Game of Thrones-esque <laughs> finale where they're cramming a bunch of information and deaths in the final mm. episodes. Um, hopefully they pull it off and don't shit the bed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, how about you, Nathan? Uh, do-gooder. Uh, my do-gooder is actually a two-parter this week. I hope that's okay. I have no. a, a less serious <laughs> one. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I have a less serious one and a more serious okay. one. My less serious one, I would like to thank nicotine patches. Okay. Um, I don't really smoke that much, maybe like one cigarette uh, every couple months. But... Uh, making a film in five days is actually like very stressful oh, yes, and yes. apparently my body remembered the stress that I went through last time of making the film so I was having a very physical reaction to attempting to make this bad boy of cryptozoology film and I just got very physical anxiety mm. but I remembered that you know nicotine patches are supposed to you know help calm Anxiety. So I had been wearing a nicotine patch every day for the past week and was able to successfully make my film. So I would like to thank nicotine patches <laughs> for helping me get through Holy the grueling shit. process of making a film in five days. And, and for helping my... millions of people quit smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good too. Um, no, so my more serious one... I, of course, would like to thank my wonderful girlfriend because for the first, we've, for the past three films, it's just been me and her making the film together. And, you know, for this film, she, she, you know, came home from a very long day of work each day and I said, you know, hey, babe, we're going to be shooting this today. We're going to be doing this today. And, you know, she looked at me like she wanted to kill me, but she did it anyways. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I made her stand oh. in the rain for like 15 minutes, but she yeah. took it like a champ. That's so awesome, I would like man. to thank my girlfriend. That's awesome, dude. Hell yeah. Smart choice, man. Smart choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's not going to listen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, no well, brownie points. Abs- <laughs> oh, man. Listen, man, it's been an absolute privilege having you on. It's been a wonderful conversation. You made a fantastic short film. Um, for everyone listening, go check it out. It'll be out tomorrow. Um, it's called The Bad Boy of Cryptozoology by Nathan Brown. The link will be in our bio. Dude, you made a great film, man. Uh, you should be very proud. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Absolutely, man. I want to thank my co-host, Mr. Jaime Viedhan, for being the co-host that he has always been. Thank you so much. Um, we're running up on, we're coming up on fifty episodes, which is quite an accomplishment for us, especially for me, because this is like, you know, my first podcast. And uh, I want to thank Nathan, of course, for being on the show. You know, re- reoccurring guests. It's always nice to bring people back, and to, especially to talk about art and projects that they're working on right now. That's I'm really excited about that part. Because I just, like I said in the in the past with this podcast and what we're trying to do is get these up-and-coming artists to present their work and to see, like, the origin 
of their career and see where they take off in the future. So hopefully, Nathan, for you, hopefully you <laughs> become very successful. That way, Thank someone you. is going to dig up this podcast episode and go, this was his early stuff, you know? Thing you started from there? Wow, I can do that. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, <laughs> every week... I have a little anxiety of getting on here and talking and doing stuff and what we're, what's going to happen and this and that. But once we get going, I, I feel so relaxed and I like to have these conversations with these guests and with Anthony and talking about different ideas and whatnot. So anyway, uh, I just want to thank you, say thank you so much to whoever's listening. Uh, if you haven't already, please go follow us on our Instagram at the first and the 15th underscore you can listen to all our episodes on our link. You can see all the people we've talked to from filmmakers to writers, actors, theater technicians, musicians, social media influencers or whatever, you know, like bands, all kinds of stuff. So um, that's it. That's it for me. Thank you again, Anthony. You do a great job. And again, uh, Nathan, thank you so much for being on here. No problem. Absolutely. Go follow Nathan Brown at what's your Instagram, man? Go ahead and plug it real quick. At much ado about Nathan. I like that. Absolutely, man. Great filmmaker. Go check him out. My name is Anthony Barrera. This has been the first and the fifteenth. I want to thank you all for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Come on.